how many of you know who you are? You are Bible believing, devil casting out, and tongue talking believers. Hallelujah. We got any Pentecostals in the house tonight? That means you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and fire, just like occurred in Acts chapter 2. And I am happy that we are able to be filled with that same Holy Ghost power. Amen? So tonight, we're going to spend most of our time in Acts chapter 2. And we're going to look at what happened on the day of Pentecost. And we don't look back at these things and say, oh, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that wonderful? I wished I could have been alive then. We look back and we rejoice and we say, yeah, that's our heritage. That's our roots. Glory to God. We're filled with the same Holy Ghost. But we also look forward with anticipation, knowing that our God has saved the best for last. And you and I get to be alive in this day and in this hour in a time when we believe that God is going to cover this earth like never before with his glory and with his power. Can I get a witness? Y'all agree with that? Amen. Well, you're the Sunday night crowd in Hayward, so I know you believe every word of it. Amen. So let's just begin right here in the Word of God in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to be reading, I think, all my scriptures from the New King James tonight. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And that term there, fully come, means that the day of Pentecost was fulfilled. All of the feast days in the Bibles that the Jews practice even to this day were a shadow of things to come. And the feast of Pentecost was a shadow of the day of Pentecost. So the writer here is saying it's fully come. It's happened just like has been prophesied, just like the prophet Joel said it would be. Amen. So then verse two, and suddenly there came a sound from where? Heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Let me just say this, and I know I'm preaching to folks that know this, but this is Pentecost, so we're going to talk about it. Amen? Amen. A sound from heaven, not from hell. You know, in the past, there's been small wars that have been fought over, whether tongues are of the devil or whether tongues are of God. Well, listen, this right here ought to clear that up for us. It was a sound from heaven and it came from God himself and it fell upon them as they were sitting there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And it says it was sudden because the Holy Ghost was like, now it's time for me to come and take charge of the church. Because when Jesus was here on the earth and he told his disciples, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send another one. I'm going to give you a comforter, a helper, a strengthener, an intercessor, a standby, an advocate, and he's going to remain with you forever. And when Jesus was here physically on the earth, he could only be in one place at one time. But he said, there's one that is coming that he's going to be 
in you. He's going to be with you. And he can be in everybody that calls upon the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. He's with every single one of us in here tonight. And when you go home, he's there with you. When you go to work, he's there with you. Talk about supernatural help. Woo! I'm glad he sent our heavenly helper. How about you? Amen. So the Holy Ghost fell. And the whole house where they were sitting, it shook under the power of God. And verse 3, Then there appeared unto them cloven tongues, New King James says, divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They got saturated with the Holy Ghost and with power. You know, the first three letters of saturate are sat, at least in the English language. So the Holy Ghost saturated them and he sat on them and he filled them wall to wall with himself, with power. And it wasn't like, you know, growing up in, in Sunday school, we actually had a little painting in one of the annexes in our little church there on Pentecost Sunday and it had like little flames above the people's heads. Oh, that's not how it happened. It wasn't a little flick of the bick above their head. It says the Holy Ghost, the flame a fire sat on them and consumed them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Hallelujah. They got so filled with the power of the Holy Ghost that it overflowed out of them to the degree that they could not be silent. And they could not stand still as a Holy Ghost ever sat on you to the point that you just had to get up and do something. You had to shake, you had to jump, you had to run, you had to shout. Because, woo, the greater one came and he saturates you. And when the spirit of God comes on you like that, sometimes something's got to give. And it's your body. Your body's got to at least go, woo, you know, do something. The power came upon them to the degree they stumbled out in the streets. And they were accused of being drunk. And I like this when I was thinking about it even just today. They were accused of being drunk. But they weren't accused of being mean drunks. They weren't out there picking fights with people. They were happy drunks. Hallelujah. I've never been drunk in the natural, but I do hear that you can be a mean drunk or you can be a happy drunk that just loves everybody and wants to buy everybody drinks. Well, that's how they were. They were a happy bunch that day. Whoo! Because they had been sat on by the Holy Ghost and they were consumed with the fire of God. Being filled with the Holy Ghost is always accompanied with fire. With fire. I like something that this man of God by the name of Wesley Duell, he has written several books that I really like. One of them is called Ablaze. And he's quoting in there, of course, about Hebrews 12, 29 that says, For our God is a consuming fire. There's nothing dead dry or boring about our God. He's passionate 
He's full of zeal. He's full of fire. He is fire, a consuming fire. So Brother Duell said this, God created our spirits flammable. We are spiritually combustible. Our nature is created to be ablaze by the Spirit. Hallelujah. God created us flammable. He created us to burn up for Him. Not burn out, but just be on fire, burning for Him. We're created in the likeness and image of God. And we just read that God is a consuming fire. So that means that we got God on the inside of us. We should have some fire on the inside of us. Just think about this. Even in the natural, how man has always been fascinated with fire. You know, as little kids, if well, we didn't have many fire trucks out in the country. But, you know, if I ever heard a fire truck in town or whatever, kids, you want to follow the fire truck. Adults do it, too. They're just fascinated with, oh, where's that? Where's that fire coming from? I want to see what's burning over there. Well, if we can be that fascinated with fire in the natural, think about this. We ought to be excited about the fire of God. Amen. Amen. We ought to be drawn to the fire of God. I'm glad that I don't go to a dead church. I'm thankful that we got the fire of God. In this place, we got the word of God. We got signs following the preaching of the word of God. And nobody that comes here can accuse us of being a dead, dry bunch. I heard this story years ago that this little boy, him and his dad were standing out in the foyer of their church. And they had a plaque upon the wall with names on it. And they said, the plaque said, in honor of all of those who died in the service. The little boy and his dad are standing there looking at this plaque. And he looked at his dad and he said, which service did they die in? Sunday morning or Sunday night? Because he was used to their church feeling like they were setting up with the dead. And he thought all those people had died in their dead service. No, not going to happen here. Amen. We got the fire of God here. When we are on fire, people will come and watch you burn. One minister said that. How do you get people to come to church? He said, well, just get on fire and they'll come and they'll watch you burn. Some of you have probably heard of a man by the name of John, uh, George, George Whitfield. He was a, had a major part in the Great Awakening in the 1730s. He preached to masses at the age of 22. They, people would just come from all over because he was so on fire for the Lord. He was known as the awakener and I like this he was also known as the fire bringer I like that I'd like to be known as the fire bringer I wore red I'm bringing the fire tonight best I can anyway he was alive during the time of Benjamin Franklin and Benjamin Franklin was quoted as saying this he confessed that he often went to hear George Whitfield preach because it seemed he could watch him burn before his very eyes. When I read that, I thought, well, maybe that's what gave Benjamin Franklin the idea to try to harness lightning because he was seeing George burning with the fire of God. It was like Brother George had a hold of the power line and he did called the power of God. So God wants our lives 
to reflect his power. Him. His compassion. His zeal. His fire on the inside of us ought to be displayed. Another minister, R.W. Shambach. Anybody ever heard of him? Fiery, fiery preacher. And he, he was quoted as saying this. It's time to get the fire out of the kitchen, cooking chicken for the bishop, and get it back in the pulpit, and I'm adding in the pew. If any of you want to fire me up some fried chicken, that's fine. But that's not the only place. That there ought to be fire, not just in the kitchen. There ought to be some fire in our services. Amen. Because people are drawn to fire. Being filled with the Holy Ghost and fire will cause people to want to know who you know. People like folks that are full of enthusiasm. People like folks that are happy and joyful. If you weren't here this morning, you need to get the CD, but I would re- uh, recommend you watch it online because pastor was on fire today and we had some joy manifest in the house and people like it. They like to see people that are happy in their God. They like to see people that are excited about something. Get excited about Jesus. If you say, I don't have anything in my life to be excited about. Oh, yes, you do. And his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. So when we get filled with the Holy Ghost, it's accompanied with fire. Let's look over at Luke chapter 3, verse 16. John the Baptist. You know, he had his disciples and they were coming to him and they were saying, what's going on here? Jesus is now over there preaching. And we thought you, you know, they're not following you anymore. They're following Jesus. And John the Baptist said this. Answered saying to them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with, read it with me, the Holy Spirit and fire. Read that last part again. The Holy Spirit and fire. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not just saying a few words in your heavenly language and then saying, okay, now I'm done. I got filled. I don't have to pray in tongues ever again. I don't, there's not going to be any change in my life. Oh no. The Holy Spirit baptizing us is accompanied with fire. And that presence of fire ought to change us. It ought to burn the wrong things out and the right things in. It ought to give us a boldness. When you are on fire, you are bold. And you don't care who knows it. We have some good friends. Uh, One year they were celebrating their anniversary. And they went to this real romantic restaurant. And, you know, one of the ones where it's real dark and you can't read the menus. And anyway, so they just had these big candles on the table. Yeah, to hide the price. What could be? So they have these big candles on the table. And you know how wives do. In our case, it's how husbands do. It's like, no, I don't think I want dessert, but you get one and I'll take a bite. And before I can take a bite, it's pretty much gone. You know, reaching across the table. Well, in this case, (laughs) in, in this case, it was the husband that he said, okay, I'm going to order a dessert. And she's like, oh, just take a bite. 
big romantic candle burning on the table. Well, it's wintertime, and she had on this sweater with a lot of fringe on it. So she reaches across the table to get a bite of her husband's dessert, and the fringe on her sweater went over the candle and caught on fire. She started slapping it. She started screaming, I'm on fire. I'm on fire. And her husband, this big fancy restaurant, he said, sit down. Be quiet. You're making a scene. And she yelled out, you're not the one on fire. Standing up, waving her arm, trying to put it out. And that's the way it is with a lot of Christians. Other people that aren't on fire, they'll tell you to sit down. Be quiet. Don't make a scene. Don't be such a fanatic. You're too extreme. And our reply ought to be, we ought to hop up and say, you're not the one on fire. I feel just like the prophet that said, it's like fire. Shut up in my bones. And when something is on the inside of you, you can't keep it to yourself. Amen. So don't let the devil, don't let religious people tell you to sit down. Be quiet. Don't be so excited. No, you ought to, you know, do it in a nice way. But hey, you're not the one on fire here, apparently. I'm the one on fire. And I got something on the inside of me to sing and to shout about. Amen. Well, how many of you ever heard of Peter? Yeah, well, Peter was there on the day of Pentecost. And Peter down through history really has gotten a bad rap. He got, he's labeled as the one who denied the Lord. But you know, that was not the end of the story for Peter. What happened to him on the day of Pentecost? Well, I'm glad you asked. So let's look at verse 14 of Acts chapter 2. Back to Acts chapter 2. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and he said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. In one instant, Peter went from the denier to the preacher and the prophesier. His nature was changed. He's the one that was chosen to stand up out there in the streets of Jerusalem in front of thousands of people. I told you it was the day. It was the feast of Pentecost. And God never does anything by accident. The Holy Spirit fell on that particular day because the streets of Jerusalem were full a people. And when those 120, they went out into the streets, God chose Peter to be the one to stand up and to preach on that day. Hallelujah. And he had this audience ready made of thousands of Jewish people. They knew about the fire that had descended on Mount Sinai on the giving of the law. And that's also a feast of Pentecost. And now they could see there was something tangible on Peter. You know how word travels. I'm sure most of them knew, oh, that's the disciple. That denied the Lord. He doesn't look afraid today. He doesn't look scared today. He's standing up in front of us preaching. Well, what about what brought that change? 
the fire of the Holy Ghost. And this phrase right here stands out to me. Peter standing up. He stood up on the outside. Because something happened on the inside. That made him stand up. He went from being a coward to being courageous. From being a baby to being bold. Hallelujah. He was standing up on the inside. What what brought about that change? Did he get up and say, well, folks, I'm Peter. I'm the one. I denied the Lord. I feel really bad about it. I've been in counseling now for the last 40 days. I'm doing a little better. Pray for me. Y'all pray for me that I'll get over this. I feel so bad about it. No. All he had was one encounter with the Holy Ghost and fire. And he got changed on the inside and it showed up on the outside. Folks, if you're having a hard time or you know somebody that is taking a stand for God, taking a stand for righteousness and getting tripped up in the same area over and over. I submit to you, maybe it's because you haven't gotten close enough to the fire. Get baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire because the fire of the Holy Ghost will change the landscape of your life. We're not talking about a destructive fire. We're talking about A purifying fire. You may, if you've been out in the country or whatever and have seen someone that's bought new land and and we would experience this sometime on the farm, the springtime would come and there were certain areas of the farm where a bunch of brush would just grow and grow and grow. And it was hard to get through there. So what do you do? You go out and around the perimeter of the, the land, you burn a little fire so it won't spread. And then you set fire to the brush. And that fire gets rid of everything. So you then have a clean piece of land. You got a clean slate that you can plant what you want to plant there. Some of you need to have a Holy Ghost bonfire of your past. And allow the fire of God to burn away hurts and rejections, bitterness, Unforgiveness. Your heart might need to be purged with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Getting rid of the brush. Getting rid of the weeds. Getting rid of things that are hindering your heart from receiving the word. That the word may take root. And the word may grow. I submit to you tonight there is a purging that happens when the Holy Ghost and fire comes into your life. Does anybody receive that? Amen. Amen. Well, this is what happened to Peter. And it didn't take years. Many times, you know, we need it growing in God is a process. But he came in contact with the fire. And that cowardliness was burned out of him. He was changed into another person. Hallelujah. So let's continue to read what Peter said here in verse 15 of Acts 2. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet 
Joel. They're not drunk, as you suppose, but they were very, very drunk in the Holy Ghost. Can I get a witness in here tonight of anybody that has ever been drunk in the Holy Ghost? You've tasted of God's new wine. It's so fine. It's so fine. God's new wine. And there's no bad side effects. There's no Monday hangover except for joy. Glory to God. Joy and peace and laughter. That side effects. <laughs> I'll take those side effects. Amen. The Bible says in Acts 13, 52, that the disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost and with joy. So there are side effects of getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And one of them is joy. Hallelujah. I'll take that. How about you? So Peter, he's standing up there this day and he begins to preach to them. And I love how he started off quoting the prophet Joel. Why did he do that? Because this congregation out in the streets were mostly Jewish people. So he knew they would know this. So let's look at verse 17. This is exactly right out of Joel chapter 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's laying out his case there. He says, you all know the, you know the word, you know the Torah, you know the word of God, you know what the prophet Joel said. And this is that which the prophet Joel has prophesied. This is the time. This is the outpouring. And I like how he said he's going to be poured out on all flesh. He's letting them know right there. It, this is an awesome experience, but it wasn't just for the 120 that were in the upper room. All of you out there right now, you can have this same outpouring in your life. You can have this same power in your life. And then he says, your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Brother George, are you having visions or dreams? Oh, okay. okay. Just wanted to qualify if you've stepped over into the category of old yet. Because it says your old men are going to dream dreams. And your young men will have visions. He gave us a good answer. He said he's having both. Hallelujah. Well, when the people heard, heard him preach, this was their response. You know, you know the anointing was on that message. 
you know they were feeling the power of God while he was a preaching. Just like I know you all can hardly contain yourself right now. You're feeling the power of God, right? I can just tell. Amen. Well, anyway, so as he's preaching this, it touched their hearts. And they began to wonder, what shall we do? So verse 37, we're tra- you're tracking with me, right? Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Have you ever heard a word sitting in a service, listen to someone, and all of a sudden it just... Whoosh, it hits you in your heart. It becomes a rhema word. It becomes a, a word that it's just revelation to your spirit. That's what happened that day. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They were seeing they needed Jesus. They needed the same power they had. Peter said to them, verse 38, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's a two-part thing. The only prerequisite for being baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire is to be born again. Sometimes people get all tripped up and they're like, ah, I'm afraid. To be prayed for. What if I get a wrong spirit? Well, if you're born again, there's no way you can get a wrong spirit. Because you've already got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And when you get baptized, He just comes upon you and flows out of you. It's the same. Same Holy Spirit. So we don't have to be concerned about that. But He's telling them, yeah, you got to repent for your sins. That's received Jesus. Have him be come into your life. And then you're a candidate to receive the Holy Spirit. And then he reiterates it again. Just in case they thought this was for a select few. Verse 39. For the promise is to you, to your children, and to all who are afar off. As many as the Lord our God will call. Your number's in there. How many of you have responded to the call of God? That just means that you've received that Lord Jesus as your Savior. You responded to that tug in your heart to come into the family of God. Now, how many of you have taken the next step and you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost? Because he said this promise of the Holy Ghost. It's for you. It's for your children. It's to all. That means Gentiles. That means whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever asks for the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's born again, they will receive this precious gift. That's me. That's you. Your number's in there somewhere. Amen. This is our heritage. This is a promise. 
All the promises of God are yes and amen. If he said as believers you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He said as believers you can speak in new tongues. That's a promise that Jesus said. He told his disciples in Acts 1a. Go and tarry in the city of Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. You're going to have his spirit, the spirit of might, ability, efficiency, power is going to come up on you. Do you believe Jesus' words? Then we ought to say yes and amen. I receive that wonderful promise. If you've not yet been baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire, you can be tonight. Why wait any longer? In 1987, Brother Hagen, our spiritual father, he had several visions. He had several visitations of the Lord. Jesus appeared to him. He talked to him for three hours. And at the end of this particular visitation, Jesus said to Brother Hagen, It's my plan under the new covenant for every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're living in the new covenant. What Jesus has done for us belongs to us. The power that he has made available through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's ours to take. It's ours to claim. It's ours to receive. I will just say this to you as we're getting ready to close tonight. Never in the history of the world has there been a time where the church needed to be filled with power from on high. We do not glorify the works of the devil. But our enemy, Satan himself, knows that his time is short. He probably is a lot more aware that Jesus is coming soon than the church is. He knows his time is short. So he has thrown out his best shots. We see it. There's junk happening in our nation that should not be happening. There's laws that are being passed that should not be passed. There's things happening. There's spiritual warfare that is happening. And we can't fight these things in the natural I like something else that Wesley Duell said. He said a passionless Christianity will not put out the fires of hell. The best way to fight a raging forest fire is with fire. There's some things raging in our nation. It's like the fires of hell themselves are trying to get a stronghold in our nation. And the best way for us to fight those things and to put those out is with the fire of God. Because our God is a consuming fire. And the fire of God on the inside of us is greater than the fires of hell. Hallelujah! There is a cause, folks. There's a cause for us to be filled with God. There's a cause for us to stand on the word. There's a cause for us to be on fire for God. To pray like we have never prayed before. The fire of God in us.
us it is greater than the fire that the devil is trying to ignite. The fire of God in us will swallow up and it will consume the fires of hell. Didn't we just read it? Our God is a consuming fire. That means his fire is greater than any of the attacks that can come against you. Any of the strategies and the plans of the devil arrayed against our nation. The fire of God on in the inside of us is greater. But we have to release it. We have to let it flow through us. Amen. When we were just recently this week in Sacramento, Brother Kenneth Copeland's meeting, I shared this this morning, but he said this, that there is a Holy Ghost storm coming. Then he went on to say in the Bible, the Holy Ghost is manifest fire. We've been talking about that tonight. Fire, wind, rain, and lightning. This coming Holy Ghost storm will have all of those manifestations combined. Hallelujah. Let it be so. Oh, let it be so. Hallelujah. Everybody stand to your feet. Let it be so.